0: And my word of welcome to everyone who's present. We appreciate that you're here. Our visitors, we especially thank and uh, welcome. We hope that uh, you'll be able to come back, join us at other opportunities that you have. And, and uh, it's good to see the, the uh, Torres and Gardner families uh, here again and uh, be able to be with them for a little bit as well. They'll be hitting the road this afternoon, so we hope they'll have a safe journey back home to Idaho you're here as visitor or uh, or otherwise, if you have questions or comments of what we say or do, uh, we'd be happy to receive those questions. Uh, let's go to the Bible and let the Bible direct us in the ways of God and that we might understand and do His will in our lives. That's our intent. That's our aim. And and uh, we invite you to get your Bible and join us now as we uh, really just want to study the, the 15th Psalm this morning that Brother Seth has just read for us. I'll Direct your attention there in just a moment. We'll, we'll, uh, have, a, have some comments from that. Um, but in, in introducing our thinking and the title of the lesson, the character of the person who dwells with the Lord, um, is, is, uh, I, I just was impressed over this past week with what we all know. And, I, I, unfortunately, it seems like sometimes we may probably take it for granted that, uh, politicians regularly lie, it seems like. It's unfortunate I have to say that, isn't it? Uh, but uh, fruit's uh, out there. Um, but but I, not just that, but uh, this last couple of weeks, uh, and it, you know, again, is nothing new. We hear some profanity-laced uh, pledges and vows, and, and uh, that seems to be the norm these days, that, uh, that uh, just being uh, uh, insulting and disrespectful... Uh, from, and our politicians from the White House right on down to the local level. I'm not gonna leave anybody out. It's, it's just shouldn't be that way. You don't need to insult people, disrespect people, but that's become the norm, it seems. I, I suppose it's always been the norm in the world. I mean, that, that, you know, um, and it has been. The Bible's pretty clear about that, that, you know, the, the world, uh, is always disrespectful of one another. It, it has wrong values, wrong aims, uh, wrong morals. And, uh, and that's just one of the areas it, it's reflected is when we see the, the insulting, disrespectful, profane, uh, uh, lying, uh, uh discrediting, uh, uh, that goes on. I, uh, I also heard or saw the headline in the news this past week that I guess one of the actors um, got an award at the at an award ceremony, and he he credited Satan for inspiring his performance, his uh, his performance of former Vice President Dick Cheney. So that was Christian Bale, if for those of you who know such things. So, so you know, uh, he, oh, but, you know that. Uh, I think it was Mike talked to us some about the Church of Satan uh, Wednesday night. Some of those those uh, things going on. I, it was a footnote to that was I read the comment that the Church of Satan in response to to Bale's credit said, "quote Hail Christ, hail, hail Christian." He's talking about Christian Bale. Hail Christian, Hail Satan. Right, so. So the the idea of Satan's involvement and Satan's influence and Satan's um, impact upon the world uh, is not lost on people who believe the Bible. Uh, It's not lost on Christians because we know our adversary is active, he is uh, earnest in his attempt to destroy souls, our souls, and those of everyone around us, and uh, he can do that through uh, the lack of love for neighbor, which all of these things demonstrate, uh, then that's just fine with Him. Uh, on the other hand, the Lord Jesus tells us that we must continue to be salt in a, in a putrid world. We must continue to be light in this dark domain here in the flesh. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Don't let your salt lose its saltiness, its influence, its impact. Do not join in with the world, either its values, either its language, neither its morality. We are to be the light of the world. We are to be the salt of the earth. And uh, and so, stand in sharp and stark contrast to the world in which we live in this present age. I came across something also, in fact, my brother sent it to me this past week. I thought I'd share it with you as we just get started here. Um, It comes from the corporate world, but it's ways to know if someone has Integrity. Ways to know, and this was written from a, from a, a corporate point of view and an application to business. But, but the, the points uh, so much remind us of the text we're going to study that I just want to put it out in front of you to start with. This gentleman said, You can t- see if someone has integrity by taking responsibility for their actions. If someone takes responsibility for themselves, for their own actions a mark of integrity. again, this is how this man, who's not a Christian, he's a businessman, but this is what he sees in, in business. In fact, he's a lawyer. A group of lawyers. Putting others' needs above their own shows integrity. Offering to help others in need is a mark of integrity. Giving others the benefit of the doubt. And choosing honesty in all things. Of course, all of these if applied to business, if applied to politics, if applied to home, if applied to the church, then a very different landscape would definitely exist. He goes on, showing respect to everyone, manifesting humility, being able to admit their wrong, showing regular reliability, and conveying true kindness. These are ways he he suggests you can tell if somebody's going to deal with you with integrity in business well those elements are interspersed throughout the scriptures and we commit ourselves to being people of integrity and upright character because you see God gives us this definition and God explains it to us throughout his word and Psalm 15 he sets this definition before us of a righteous person, the upright person whose character is honesty, its integrity, its holiness, uh, its fairness, its justice. Uh, let's, let's note that uh, as that that it's a simple passage, there's nothing difficult to understand in it at all. The psalmist David first asks the question. Lord, who will abide? Who may abide in your tabernacle? Who has the right to be with you where you dwell? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Uh, The implication is not everybody does and not everybody will. Who has that capability? Who, Who is it that is allowed to come into your presence? Now, we understand the world's not concerned about living in the presence of God and so demonstrates worldly values and moralities of sin and evil. On the other hand, Jesus Christ calls us out of that. The Gospel says, come out of that and stand in His light, stand in His truth and righteousness. So, even in the Old Testament, even before the Christ came, God was concerned about His people having integrity. He's always expected that of his of of human beings. And so the question is answered by David in verses 2 through 5. He answers first of all by stating the answers in a positive way. Well, and then he he states them negatively. In fact, he intersperses that. He he flips in that, but we're going to look at the answers he gives positively and negatively. Just to 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 note that in verse 2 and in verse 4 he answers this question in a positive uh way. He said in other words the, the one who does this and does this and does this. And then he's going to answer it negatively in verses 3 and 5, the one who does not do this and does not do this and does not do this. You see, God's will is about both. God's will is about doing some things and not doing other things. And and uh and it's to be noted and recognized that, that God has positive commandments, positive instructions He expects of us if we're going to dwell in His presence. Amen. That He has the right to reveal that, and He has. In His Son, Jesus Christ, He has taught us uh, how to, to live uh, in the presence of God. And it's important to know if we're going to be in God's presence, that is, have fellowship with God, be blessed by Him spiritually and now and eternally. Then there's some things we must not do. This is not an exhaustive list by any means, but it's representative, and and uh, and in such and in some cases general, and other cases specific, to give us an overview of the integrity God wants us to have, the character of righteousness that He wants us to have, that we want to commit ourselves to. He begins by saying in verse 2, it's the one who walks uprightly. Now I note that in all of these things, never is there any hint that by doing any of these things that we earn or merit the right to be in the presence of God. Tonight, Lord willing, we're going to study about grace. And... and, um, if not for the grace of God, we would all be lost in our sins. But the Bible also says we have to have faith to stand in grace. And, and so immediately the psalmist David says, uh, and, and inspired by the Spirit of God, we're confident this is God's will in the matter. He says the person who walks uprightly will be in God's uh, holy habitation. This is the person who will dwell in fellowship and harmony with God. Psalm 26 in verse 3, uh, the psalmist David again wrote, For your loving kindness, there's God's mercy and grace, your loving kindness is before my eyes and I have walked in your truth. Tonight we'll talk more about that because you see some of the distorted views of grace is that, is that it, walking in God's truth is not so critical as the grace of God. And people pit God's grace against God's truth and our faith in God. That He will show us grace when we walk in truth. More on that tonight. I'll deviate too much here. But I want you to note and see very clearly that God is calling us to be people of integrity because He expects us to walk by faith. He expects us to listen to His truth that's how faith is, established, is built to begin with. And so, repeatedly, Psalms and Proverbs and the Word of God tells us that it is the one who walks uprightly that is guided by God's wisdom. He does not accept the counsel of the ungodly. He does not reside there. That is not the place that he lives. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law he meditates day and night. So who is your counselor? Who do you walk with? Who do you stand with? Who do you sit with? The one who is in God's presence, who will be in God's habitation, it meditates on the law of God. It delights in what God says in His Word and lives in it. Proverbs 2, we don't have time to read the text, but, but I, I encourage you, I point your attention to, to chapter 2 um, where the Father is urging His Son to receive His words, to treasure His commandments. To search and seek after and find wisdom, uh, that you will have guidance and good understanding and righteousness and justice. Verse nine says you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. There's a good path set before us in our lives that we God wants us to walk. We have to choose that path. We have to see the value of what God says more than what my friend says. Or what I say to myself, you see, or what anyone else says. We have to listen to God's word. Amen. And he says, that's the one, if you want to be with God. Now, if you don't want to be with God, there are plenty of other choices you can make. But David says, God answers David, and he says, the one who walks uprightly is going to be that person. Psalm, Proverbs 4, 1 through. Well, the better part of that chapter as well uh, says the same thing. He who's taught me said to me, let, let your heart retain my words and keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forsake her, she will preserve you. Love her, she'll keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom. And in all, you're getting good get understanding. God's wisdom, not the wisdom of man, the wisdom that is treasured up in Christ Jesus. Colossians two three. You know the wisest man that ever lived was? Who was that? It wasn't Solomon. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. Right? In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? In Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.3 That's where we need to go. To walk uprightly to be in the presence of God. The one who lives in the presence of God in His holy hill, His holy habitation, works righteousness. There you have it. You see, here's where that faith and grace come together. Here's where our responsibility is being focused on. We have to work righteousness. Acts 10 and 34 and 35 says, The truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he who fears God and works righteousness is acceptable to him. In other words, the gospel goes to the whole world to save sinners, and sinners to be saved need to work righteousness. To earn something? No. To be active in lives of righteousness. To pursue righteousness. 1 Timothy 6 and 11 says, Pursue it. Flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22. Righteousness is defined for us in the Word of God, by the way. That's why we've got to walk in truth. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Scripture teaches us how to be righteous. Now, if you don't want to live with God now, and don't want to live with God eternally, and by the way, if you don't want to live with God now, you're not going to live with God eternally. Let's just mark it down. We're not going to live with God eternally if we don't live with God now. That's why this is important. We've got to to live with God now. Work righteousness. The Scriptures teach us what it means. It comes out of a sincere intent of heart to do the will of God coupled with then the actual doing of that will. Paul Paul said in in Hebrews 13, and the writer of Hebrews was Paul, probably was, but Hebrews 13, 18, pray for us. For we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorably. He said, we need your prayers. But we're, we, we, we're, we're confident we have a good conscience, but pray for us because in everything, our desire is to be honorable. In everything, we want to live honorably. So pray for us. Pray for each other that we all live honorably. That's our goal. That's our intent. So let's pray for one another that that may be accomplished in God. The one who is hypocritical doesn't walk with God. The one who's not genuine, you see, uh, uh, we, that that's not going to that's not going to fly with God. In Isaiah thirty-three, Isaiah thirty-three verses fourteen through sixteen, there's a, a description there of. Um, the sinners of Zion. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearful. Our fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Now, what he's going to say here is, sounds a whole lot like Psalm 15. Who's going to be with Jehovah, the one who brings devout, devouring fire against the sinners? and the hypocrites? Well, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. Verse 15 says, He who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell on high. His place of defense will be in the fortress of rocks, Bread will be given him, his water will be sure. This is the one who will be provided, who will be protected. God will take care of that person. That person will be with God. See, that's about working righteousness, walking uprightly, speaking uprightly. It's the simple things. It's the it's about just taking God at His Word and following it and committing ourselves to it. And knowing that it's right, and it's for our good, and it'll help us, it'll benefit us, it'll strengthen us. When all the world around us is, is trying to tear us down and pull us apart, there is a refuge for the soul, and it's Jesus Christ. And the hope that we have in Him as we walk, walk, walk by faith, as we work righteousness. Look, He says, speaks, this person who's going to be with God speaks truth in his heart. And there's something to note about that. Truth is not just the best option at the moment to this person. I want you to see that. This person speaks truth in his heart. That's the character. It's a defining attribute of this person who dwells in God's tabernacle, in God's tent, in God's habitation. In Psalm 101, Verses 6 and 7. Go back there with me. 101st Psalm. Verses 6 and 7. Look, it says, David again writes, he says, My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with Me. Who Who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve Me. Of course, it's God speaking. He says, He who works deceit shall not dwell within My house, he who tells lies, it shall not continue in my presence. Okay. Well, it's David, inspired by God, who's saying, I observe who's faithful in the land. He's king. He knows who's faithful. God knows who's faithful. Our king. He knows who, who is walking uprightly. He says, the one who works deceit is not going to dwell in my house. David says, I'm not going to allow that because the character of, of truthfulness and honesty of integrity is going to be uh, that which i live and that which i advocate and that which i demand in in my house thoughts translate into character thoughts translate into character Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, think on these things, along with other things, noble, just, and so on. Think on these things. What we think translates into who we are. To what our character is. So, speaking truth in a world that speaks lies, in a world that... You know, um, it's really sad that you have to deal with people... Expecting that, that there's a certain percentage just going to be lying to you. And that, that we feel compelled at times to, to verify and check and double check to be sure when there's some some something that, that we need to that we're going to be affected by one way or another, that truth or error, that truth or lie. But those are the realities of a world where people speak lies. But in the world where people reside with God. We speak truth as a part of our character, as our heart. He says, stated positively, this person who dwells with God despises sin and honors that which is reverent. Verse 4, he says, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. The idea of, of, um, of this is seen in chapter 24. Psalm twenty four verses three through five. Who may ascend into the into the hill of the Lord? And here's this common theme about being in God's presence, being where God resides, where God lives. Uh, he's in his kingdom today. Remember, Zion is is Mount Zion is the church of the firstborn, Hebrews 12. So so the applications here is one of God with his people, whether it was Israel or in principle now today. In Christ, in His church, who may ascend in the hill of the Lord and may stand in His holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. James used this this wording in James 4 verse 8. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek Him, who seek His face." God's people seek the face of God by despising sin, rejecting evil, and clinging to what is good. Romans 1.32 described people there in the world then and in the world today who, it says, knowing the righteous judgment of God. We know that that, that, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. If we know God despises sin, we know that He punishes evil, then, then is, that, is that the support system we want in our life? Is that, is that who we turn to, to to help us solve the perplexing situations of day-to-day living? Are those who are under the judgment of God for sin. And of course, we neither are to practice that with them or approve of them in those practices. We don't approve of such things. He says you've got to reject those things and not be comfortable with vile people. In Psalm 26 and verse 5, look at that psalm with me. Twenty-sixth Psalm and the fifth verse says, I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Like Psalm 11. He says, I have hated, I have despised the assembly of evildoers. On the other hand, this person honors those who fears God. Those who fear God, he honors. Third John 5-8 through is an illustration of that. However, they were to honor those who were going everywhere and preaching the Gospel and they were to pray for them and encourage them in their work. If we want to be in the presence of God, then God says you need to, to give honor to whom honor is due. Honor to those who fear Me and do My will. And don't make your tent with the evil. The evil ones. The vile person. Uh, he said, Oh, you're not supposed to hate anybody. Well, you see, God hates evil and loves good. He despises evil. We have to despise evil if we're going to love good. He said, if you're going to dwell with, God said, if you're going to dwell with me, you're going to have to be that, that person who, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. That is, that, that, you're not going to, you're not going to make your habitation with that person. You're going to honor the one who fears the Lord. And he then says, "The person who keeps his word, but not just keeps his word, he says the one who keeps his word even when it hurts him. he says he, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. He's not the fellow who says, I keep my word, and here's what I'll do here's my word, but then the circumstance changes or something some 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 aspect of it. Is different, and 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 then he he just says, "Well, I'm I'm not committed to my word anymore." You know, he's a man of his word, even at expense that it may cost him. I, let me illustrate what I mean. I just I came across this this week. There's a an actor. I guess if I put his fi- picture up here, some of you would probably recognize him. Uh, his name is um, Neil Donahue. Uh, Don, uh, Meg, uh, sorry. Neil McDonough is his name. Neil McDonough. Um, he refuses sex scenes as an actor. Imagine that. There's still some actors that refuse that. Um, but I'm reading a quote here from him. He said when he did that, um, in fact, he, he he refused those from a show that used to be on TV called Desperate Housewives. Um. He said, after that, I couldn't get a job because everybody thought I was a religious zealot. I am very religious. I put God and family first and me second. That's what I live by. It was hard for a few years. Um, But he said, uh, the New York Daily News added, the network's decision to replace McDonough was a shocker because he is known for refusing sex scenes due to his religious beliefs. So so he's known for this. It wasn't a one off for him. That's the commitment of his character. He keeps his word and he lost jobs over it. But he he goes on to say, quote, "I won't kiss any other woman because these lips are meant for one woman." Now, oh, he, you know, you mean you wouldn't take a job just to kiss another woman as an actor? That's exactly what he said, and he's exactly right. So he said when another uh, somebody somebody uh, uh, another oh, I'm sorry somebody he's working with signed him. He said, "I'm sure you know that I won't kiss anybody." He told the fellow. Uh, he said the man was uh, said, but this is desperate housewives, and I said, "I know." He paused for about five seconds and said, "All right." I'm just going to have to write better. So, so 20 years later, five kids, one wife. He says, that's why I go to church every day and say thank you to God for everything He's given me. And most importantly, that that you've given me my wife because without her, I most certainly would not be talking with you right now. Now, here's a fellow. He's a Catholic. But he keeps His Word in that matter even when it hurt him financially you keep your word that way are we that committed to truth even when it hurts you know give israel joshua and israel gave their word to the Gibeonites, they wouldn't destroy them. And later they found out they'd been deceived by those Gibeonites. They pretended to have been from a long country far away, a long way off. Then they found out they were right there in the middle of Canaan. But Joshua and Israel kept their word and did not destroy them. Because they made a covenant with them. They kept their word. So just how committed are we to keeping our word? The integrity of our Word must be stronger than self-preservation. You see, to my own hurt, I keep my Word, he says, if I want to dwell with God. Now, the world doesn't do that generally at all. That's not the world standard. But brethren, if we're going to dwell with God, that's the level of integrity God expects of us. Matthew 5, I think Jesus taught it. Different words, but same principles. He said, again, you heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's His footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great King. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes and your no, no. Whatever is more than that is of the evil one. So, Jesus said, be people of integrity. He said, when He says don't swear at all, He's making the point, your yes should be enough. It, it really, we, we, class we're talking about, and Brother Dan brought up you know some of the telltale things that are said sometimes to, to be able to assess where we are in our heart. I might be wrong on this, but, but when I hear somebody say, honestly, or, let me tell you the truth, maybe they're just emphasizing it, I get that, but if they say it all the time, I'm really telling you the truth here, or they, if somebody has to convince you they're telling the truth, then that kind of like, kind of makes the light bulb go off a little bit. If you're gonna tell me the truth, you ought to be a person that doesn't have to convince me you're telling me the truth because you will have lived a life that when you speak, I know you're telling the truth. And that's the person who's going to dwell with God. Simple as that. Well, I know there's a lot more that could be said about that because it speaks to reliability and dependability, trustworthiness. Those are the elements that God expects of us. We're going to stop right there. I had an idea I wasn't going to get through this lesson in one time. So, I think we'll probably just pick up uh, the, uh, the latter portion of this. Um, I'll keep you guessing. I don't know if I'm going to do it tonight or next week. So, you're going to have to come back and find out, okay? Uh, but uh, we'll pause and stop there for the morning. I appreciate your good attention to the Word of God, because after all, it's, it's not my words that carry any weight at all. It's the weight of God's Word and the the truthfulness of it that compels us to examine our hearts and our lives, to extract through it and with it everything that is sin against God, to repent, to change our hearts, and to conform our lives to His will. And so, if God's Word has helped accomplish that and doing that for you, then we, we urge you to not cast it aside, not turn away from it, but let God's Word have its... In its work within your hearts to produce faith that responds to the will of God, to repent of your sin against God, to confess that Jesus is the Son of God and be baptized into the death of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Or as a Christian, to allow God's Word to to root out and cut out the sin that separates you from God and, and, and to repent and confess it to the Lord for His forgiveness, for renewal, Uh, that is only found in Him and His precious mercy and forgiveness of our sins. If we can help you obey the Lord and be saved and be blessed in Him, won't you come while we stand and sing?